0: Welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. I'm Jeff, and I'm joined, as always, by my good buddies, Richard, Richard, and my good buddy, Michael. (laughs) All right. And uh, this episode, we are streaming on Saturday night here out on Facebook, and we're also recording audio, so you can listen to it wherever you are driving around, doing your fun uh, stuff. But this episode is the Mount Rushmore of the Ramones. Who shows it?
1: This was my topic. And, um, you know, sometimes you just uh, think of a band that you like or have grown up with and that kind of deserve, like, you think about them musically. Yeah. Great. Interesting. Wonderful. But as an entire, uh, you know, as a band that has spawned uh, millions and millions of T-shirts at Hot Topic that will forever, (laughs) forever flood the market in terms of, like, teenagers discovering punk rock music Uh, They are just iconic in a way that so many other bands um, aren't, you know, like uh, Green Day is a technically a punk band, uh, a very effective punk band, but they kind of were in like this kind of new age, you know, kind of next wave of punk that mm, probably more popular than the Ramones all in all, but they're not the Ramones. I think it's very hard to be like one of the original Uh, Progenitors of a type of music, Mm -hmm. and also like a just an iconic image, you know, uh, an iconic um, band in a scene. Like they're they're just there. They're the Beatles of the Mm -hmm. uh, kind of Of early days of punk. Yeah, Yeah. right.
0: Was it that Doc said, and I think this has been said of a few acts, or you know, um, everybody who saw. Not everybody saw the Ramones on tour, but everybody did start a band. Right. Yeah, which is an interesting observation of that. And uh, so we are not, um, we are music aficionados. Uh, we know there's folks out there who might be more conversant with all the oeuvre of the Ramones. And those people, we're hoping, actually get on the uh, uh, comments and section and let us know your favorite things, but um, we're just going to jump in and share what our top four aspects are of Ramones, and we hope you join the conversation. So Richard, you start.
2: Sure. So my first choice is the uh, origins of the band name specifically. Um, You know, Ramones is not any of their names. I don't want (laughs) to, I know I might be pulling the curtain back, might be a Santa Claus moment. They're not all brothers. They're not all brothers. They're
1: not all people that all happen to have the, the
2: last name Ramon. It would have been a great coincidence if yeah. they did. But no, they are not. Um, actually, they got their name because D.D. Ramon, the bass player and one of the founders, was a big Paul McCartney fan, big Beatles fan. And the legend goes that when Paul McCartney was first touring with the then Silver Beatles, when he would check into hotel rooms, he thought it was fun to give an alternate name because that made them seem more like rock stars. Hmm. Um, so his name was Paul Ramon, <laughs> which is the dumbest name you could possibly think of.
1: Well, Didi Ramon.
2: But Didi Ramon, Didi. Yeah. It does sound old. little. Didi Ramon does sound like a hairdresser from the sixties. <laughs> but that's so. So he, uh, Didi Ramon thought that was a, a very cool thing and kind of an in thing and decided well we should all be ramones and the rest of the band somehow went for it yeah i don't know what kind of conversations had to take place what kind of negotiations to be able to agree yeah i guess that name works but in the end is a perfect name for the band i mean you can't imagine them being called anything else yeah other than the ramones
1: I think that there is something very... Um, I don't know how intentional it is, but there's like the branding aspect of this band. I, I don't know... You know, they are this punk band from Queens. hmm And like... Suddenly you just generate an automatic thing to allow anyone to be in your band with a name, with a, you know, a new a new first name, a new last name, and suddenly you can be a Ramon as well. It's very welcoming in a way. Right. Um, And I'm also fascinated by this because about
2: how stories about the Beatles got passed around. It's not Mm -hmm. like today where I can go online and go to the Wikipedia page and find out, oh, Paul McCartney had a pseudonym, and it happened to be, you know, that would be on a BuzzFeed list or something like that of 15 facts about the Beatles you Mm -hmm. didn't know. Yeah. But back then, it was like you had to be a hardcore fan, and this was like a word-of-mouth type thing. Hmm. So for this guy in Queens, you know, who came, came there by way of Germany, to somehow be able to know this information is uh, pretty fascinating to me.
0: Yeah, you know, that's funny. The The name Ramones unites them as a band, but there is a sense of a... a in there, Are they from Brooklyn? I forget where they're from. Queens. Queens. There's a sense that Ram- they're kind of in a gang, and once you once mm-hmm. you get in, jump into that gang, you're now mm. one of the Ramones. <laughs> so it, the leather jackets, all that kind of stuff feels feel like it could have been part of a rock band, but also kind of a, a street gang or something. Like right,
2: that. and and comparing them to the Beatles, I mean, they kind of took that approach, like you said, like the mm-hmm. Beatles had the sort of, we all have the same haircut, and we're all going to dress in the same types of suits, yeah, and we're going to be part of this. If you're going to be part of the band, you're going to fully commit all-in to be part of the band. Yeah. And that, you know, for God's sakes, if you were a Ramon, you were committing to however, however many years of 200 tour dates a year and making an album every year or so. Yeah. It was work.
0: Yeah. It does seem like they took a, an aesthetic that wasn't formed to a group like the Velvet Underground, but took all the art punk stuff out of it and mm. just kept that uh, kind of the grungy rock stuff there so all right Michael what's your first
1: well thing? I'll, I'll move up I was going to talk about this later but I'll talk about the replacement Ramones <laughs> uh, Marky, Richie Elvis and CJ and I think that they're I think that just goes hand in hand with just the last name just the name of the band themselves that you be you enter this band and you become one of them yeah you know Marky was um, the first one to join after I got I can't remember who left but he was the first one that joined rather early. Like after a couple of years, he was like the the new Ramon, and just Marky Ramon was in the band after. Um, yeah, who knows? You know, and that's the thing. If you're part of the Ramones and you're gone, ah, a new Ramon's gonna gonna come in to take your yeah. place. You you lose a bass player. Yeah. Uh oh, here comes here, here comes C J. Yeah. <laughs> but they're like, I think that there is an element of. Um, Like I mentioned earlier, like being welcomed in, anybody could be a part of this band, Uh, and you know, and that anyone can start a band too. Right. Yeah. Make yourself a Ramon, and you know, there are these guys that toured for what 25 years from the mid 70s to 1996, yeah, 96, 97, something like that, when they had their last show, and they were just doing it, and they were, they never really, they never really changed how they were as a band on stage. They went in, they played. Fast and hard and left, and they were the Ramones. They didn't have big flashy stage shows. They didn't augment things. They were just the Ramones all the way through, and it didn't matter which one came in to fill that role alongside, you know, uh, Joey. It was just like, okay.
2: Yeah, Joey, it's almost like the Spinal Tap. Hmm. Yes. Joey and Johnny Ramone (laughs) versus you had David St. Hubbins and uh, (laughs) Nigel Tufnell, and then you kind of had everyone else who had kind of fallen in at some point. (laughs)
1: Some exploding drummer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that
0: just plays the music and the aesthetic and the job. It's like being a Ramon is a job. Right. Yeah. And doing music is a job. And and also, we're a rock band, which doesn't mean we're going to have our indulgent um, uh, Satan-worshipy velvet bathrobe phase. or you know, yeah. Right. A, um, is Angus or Malcolm, I think Malcolm from ACDC, commenting on listening to the Stone's Sympathy for the Devil and saying, I can't believe this incredible R&B act is indulging themselves in all this studio n- navel-gazing mm-hmm. BS, and that's only to later return to their R&B roots. Like we'll just we'll just be one ahead of them by never leaving. We're going to do the same album 12, 12, 12 times in a row.
1: You know, I think I think about uh, you know the band Marilyn Manson, where you know they they had a gimmick like a, of their naming of themselves within the band, like each band member would enter the band and their first name would be uh, of a famous you know 1950s through 60s kind of pinup, yeah. you know uh, uh, some sort of a beautiful cheesecake. woman cheesecake, cheesecake. Yeah. yeah and then you know the last name would be a serial killer Yeah. so you know Marilyn Manson all these you know uh a Gidget Gain and on and on. And then later it's just like, oh, Buckethead's joining Marilyn Manson. It's just like, ah, uh, the bloom's off the rose. <laughs> right. Like, who cares if it's just like, oh, Todd Smith's, is, oh, yeah, he's the, the bassist for Marilyn Manson. I was yeah. like, well, the whole thing was that, don't you remember the whole thing? The yeah. thing about the whole, and it's just like, ah, uh, well, fuck yeah. one, one, fuck that guy anyway. Yeah. Uh, but two, it's just like, at least the Ramones kept it pure.
0: Yeah. It's like when Bruce Hornsby joined Gore for that tour. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. And he wasn't wearing a costume. He was just kind of up there. He had keyboard. his polo shirt on. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> like kind of strange. I would like to report mm. that Warner Brothers or that you that Facebook has partially muted our video. Okay. Because of the music we were using. Okay. Um, that doesn't seem very punk rock to <laughs> me Warner <laughs> yeah. music.
0: That's not very That's very cash money of you Warner. It's not I very, don't think yeah. the Ramones would have approved of this. Yeah. That's Good to know, because I just presumed it was uh, my my 2400-baud uh, modem that I'm using to upload <laughs> to, to the computer broadcast <laughs> satellite. Uh, okay, so uh, you've each uh, chosen your first. So if, if you are listening to the audio portion of this, I want to remind you that, hey, on weekends we stream. And you can find the stream by going to facebook.com slash Podcast, And... Uh, clicking on the video that's there and if you don't see it live then you go back and comment on the video after we're done streaming and we'd really dig it and if you're watching the stream just want to ask you to go back uh, to your podcaster of choice maybe it's um apple podcast maybe it's google and look for mount rushmore podcast if it's some that some douchey sports guys uh, do Ignore that one. We do douchey sports stuff, but we do other stuff, too.
2: We're douchey about a lot of stuff. We're
0: douchey. We, yeah. We're very eclectic in our douchosity. But, uh, yeah. So if you're seeing the stream and you want to hear us as a podcast, go back and download those. So Richard is now going to let us know his second one. And
2: of course, there's the Patreon content. That's the Patreon. That we don't have. We don't because have. Because we don't have a
0: Patreon. If you want to see us, eat Snickers bars and, and rate them. <laughs> <laughs> we do it over there, yeah. 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 Uh,
2: my second choice is the song Blitzkrieg Bop.
0: Oh, awesome.
2: And uh, my... It's kind of my second choice, too, but go ahead and I'll, I'll you'll, onto you'll add on to it. You'll um, add on to it. My reason I chose it was because this was the first song that I learned how to play on bass guitar. Well wow. Back in sixth grade. Wow. When I got serious about wanting to play an instrument. And my brother, who was a bass player in a punk band at one time, let me borrow his bass to practice on. And the first thing he did was give me a Ramones CD, what I think it was, The Greatest Hits. Mm-hmm and sat down i was like here's how you play blitzkrieg Bob," because my brother was not a great bass player so it was very e but this was a song that was very easy for anyone to play so it was the perfect junior starter set or song to choose because it is literally in any Ramon song really there's no fancy runs licks anything like that you're just kind of playing quarter notes, doom, 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 doom. That's all you're doing. It's just so simple that anyone could play it. And to me, that just gets to the beauty of the Ramones. I mean, there they was just the songs were not complicated. It's what they did with the you know it, they had four chords. It's what they did with the four same four chords that made them special.
0: Cool. Yeah. Well, see, that was one of yours
1: too, Michael. Kind of. My uh, my take on that song is uh, or on my Mount Rushmore is the exceptionally fast performances of Blitzkrieg Bop Live, which um, as the band got on on in days, they just kept speeding up the tempo. They kept making it faster. You know, Joey Ramone would sing. um, He'd never quite say Blitzkrieg Bop. And just like, I don't know if it, if, how I don't know the reasoning for it. It was just because maybe they performed it, you know, by the mid-90s. Maybe a hundred thousand times in concert, and you just want to speed through the song that's already two minutes long. Right, get it down to a clean one fifty five, one fifty, 150, and just be like, "How fast can we play this song?" And I love that it's like their their, you know, their first hit, their first single off their album, the first mo the most recognizable uh, Ramon song. Right, it starts out with you know, hey hey, let's go with the thing that became the most like, one of their most iconic like, right things that they're, they're just known for. And it's a song that's just like, we're just tearing ass through this. Mm-hmm. We're going to sing this. We're going to sing it live, but we're going to just... We're going to be done before you even know it. Mm-hmm. You went to go get a beer. You're... You're done. You, you missed you're, it. You never... You're gone. You have to... You We're going to play concert for... Um, 41 minutes at most including like encores. And you're gonna just get 20 you get 20 songs out of just it. Just stay yeah. for four. just stay for the entire thing. Don't don't go away.
0: It's, and it's also one of those songs in in addition to Beat on the Brat with the baseball bat. Yeah. He sings kind of like he's British. Like, <laughs> yes. And I think it's the oh, kind of the carnival oh, treatment of me, yeah. my,
2: I did note, know that. I I and I, I know in college we used to talk about this on the call radio station. That progressively, as the Ramones got further along in their career, the songs alive got faster. Yeah, and Joey Ramone got less and less intelligible <laughs> as he was singing them. Well, he had his
1: medical issues. But well, that's you know, true. At the same time, you you just must be at some point. It must be just a challenge. Let's right. just let's just do this. But who knows? Yeah, who knows.
0: What is what is there to do? You speed up the songs and then. You finish early and you go to the day's end? Like, what do you do? Like, what's mm. what are they rushing to get through? Mm, good question. I wonder. Yeah.
2: Joey, Johnny Ramon was a big baseball fan, so maybe he had a yeah. Yankees game to yeah. catch, catch <laughs> the highlights been. after the game.
0: Been. All right, Michael, what's your second? That was my second. Okay, Richard, what's your. Halftime. Halftime. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Guys, I'm sorry. It's I'm, sorry. I'm <laughs> routine. <laughs> it is. Ah, third base. Third base. Third base. <laughs> Okay, guys, uh, listeners, viewers, everybody out there. Um, I want to thank you so much for, hey, uh, checking in on the live stream. If you are and listening on the podcast, if you are, oh, over here to, I think it's to my right, uh, to your left, is uh, a little bit of information about the Mount Rushmore podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're on Spotify. Um, I think we're on. Uh, we're, mattress we're... giant has a podcast uh, <laughs> right. aggregator, uh, you can find that and get twenty uh, percent off.
2: Big uh, Joe out. Al- B- Big joe's the house of, of uh, pancakes. <laughs> yeah, has Walmart one. Else. It's that's weird. A, I don't know right. why they have one, but there you go. Uh,
0: but what we do that is different than any other podcaster out there mm. is, we take audience suggestions and we are in a dialogue. With our audience and with Warner Music, evidently uh, too, uh, which is controversial. Kind of but we want to hear your suggestions and then make a podcast based on them. Previous <laughs> suggestors have ended up being on our show. You don't have to, but you could. Please do our work for us. Yes, yeah, we're running out of. And if
2: you can get make the if you can come on the show, you can make half the picks. That's right. That's even less work we have to do.
0: That's right. So it
2: works pretty well for us.
0: So. uh... If you are listening on the podcast, please download, rate, and review past episodes. And if you're listening on the podcast and you haven't listened on the stream, I want to introduce a new segment, which Richard is going to inaugurate for us. It's the hot take! Oh! That's right. Sizzling! <laughs> I, was wondering, I was
2: wondering why they, they had this asbestos suit next to me.
0: <laughs> it is the hot take. Now, oh, I'm this, excited for this. This next... Uh, I'm less
2: than excited for the <laughs> Less excited than you are for this. Fair dues.
0: Richard, uh... Let us know the next controversial point that you're going to be making about the remotes.
2: I don't have a controversial point. <laughs> Ooh, hot the take.
0: <laughs> hot take. Okay, well, this next point uh, is going to be either um, hot or not. So we'll rate. It we'll rate be, rate the hotness. It might be a not take.
1: That, now Facebook's going to come after us for that. Oh, crap. That was, that was like... Uh, oh, my God. That was What's-His-Name's original. Uh, We're yeah. I'm going to just what's start singing
0: name? Disney songs, because we might as well go down in flames. Um, okay, Richard, what Actually, here's you... a hot take. I got a hot take for okay. you. Ramon. My
2: next, my next one. All right. Um, Rock and Roll High School is not a good movie.
0: <laughs> but it's fantastic
2: to watch. Yes.
0: yes. How about that? Is are that a saying, hot take? Are you saying PJ Souls is not the finest... Thespian on the ranks of a Merle Street. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't
2: remember I don't remember her being recruited by uh, yeah. major act major directors yeah. to be in their magnum opus. And it also it closes you.
0: Doesn't it close your Paul McCartney loop there a little bit? Because there is an uncredited Paul McCartney song. Is yeah. there? Yeah, it opens with a Paul McCartney. Oh, you're right. Tune. That it does is not in the credits. And you're listening and going that's Paul McCartney and this is a horrible movie and how is how did Roger
2: Corman possibly get this yeah okay so my second my third choice is the movie Rock and Roll High School alright is
1: that a movie is that something that like they did with the Ramones where like at some point they tried to put like TV stars just into like TV specials that were like singing songs and like whatever they did. It was like the
2: Sonny and Cher Variety Hour. Is yeah, that is what it, you're suggesting? It was,
1: was basically that, that version of that for them? Or Well,
2: it-, it was basically Roger Corman deciding he wanted to do a 1970s, late 70s version of the teen movies that he had kind of cut his teeth on on the yeah, 50s and the Black 60s. And right. Whatever. He had... Uh, they had actually uh, approached Cheap Trick and then Todd Rundgren to be the musicians... Um, involved in the uh, in the movie, and they just for scheduling reasons they couldn't make it work. Uh. <clears throat> so uh, Paul Bartel, who I think we've discussed on the show before, who was one of the one of Corman's uh, frequent collaborators, suggested the Ramones, hmm. and it's the perfect choice because their acting is so bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dee Dee may possibly be asleep for a good part <laughs> of the movie. Yeah, um, but. It would be one. Th- it would be one thing if Todd Rundgren was singing a song to PJ Souls in her bathroom while she's getting ready to go out. It's another thing when it's the Ramones. Yeah. Like Cheap Trick might have worked because they were a goofy enough band
0: mm-hmm.
2: that maybe they would have had the personality to pull it through. But if you want like a a band that is supposed to be scary to the to the principal and to everyone else at the high school, you want the Ramones.
0: Yeah. It does it seem to presage some John Waters uh, kind of musical involvement, like having a V pop in. Yes. In Gravity, um, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, and, you know, it's a it's a type of movie where I remember watching it on Night Flight mm-hmm. uh, back in the '80s, and it's just like I said, it's not good, but it's a fun watch. I mean, it's certainly Vince Van Patten's best role.
1: Yeah. I gotta, I gotta see this again. I saw, it. I've seen this movie once in like 1997, like, okay. and that's it. I remember uh, uh, watched it, and it was like the, like I said, just fun. But I don't remember, you know. You see a movie once, 25. Do you need to see it again? I need to see it again. Yeah, you do need to see it again. Yeah. One
0: aspect of the B movies that were rushed out when rock and roll was starting to become this, this marketable thing, when the teenager was emerging as this marketable demographic. Is the honorific attitude towards the rock stars that they were able to wedge into the movie, hmm. and the Ramones have a certain amount of menace to them. You can see the principal warning against them. They would warn against the Ramones like they would warn against chlamydia. Do your you know? parents know you're a Ramone? <laughs> yeah. That's the, the classic <laughs> yeah. line. But also the uh, what I love about this that they don't do in like those old rock and roll movies is. Um, uh, you would show these Bobby Soxer kind of girls going, Ooh, it's Bill Haley. He's dreamy. No, he's a 50-year-old yeah. man. <laughs> yeah.
2: He looks like a substitute teacher yeah. in a w- w- woodworking shop or yeah. something. Yeah.
0: Uh, and like the Ramones weren't exactly like hunks or anything like that. But um, they don't do that in, in that, that film, so that's fun. Okay, that's a cool pick. That's a cool pull. All right, Michael, what's your third choice?
1: My third choice is the way that Joey Ramone stands when he's singing into the microphone. Oh, yeah. Sure, There's just something so iconic with his one leg uh, bent, you know, more than 90 degrees, his other leg straight back, <laughs> yeah. practically touching the drum kit, uh, his microphone stand almost in the same, like, like direction as his leg. He's just kind of bent in that weird kind of over L shape. Right. And he just tears into every song. And there is something that is, uh, maybe it's because he's, you know, six foot six, six foot seven. He's just this huge guy that's gangly and is. Big bird looking dude. He is so, you know, he's. Uh, I know that one of. Joy Ramone, God bless you. I hope that you're resting in peace in a leather jacket in heaven someplace. Uh, he's one of those gruesome lead singers that right, I have this constant list in my head including the guy from The Verve and yeah. uh, listen Mick Jagger you're on my list too are
2: listen. you familiar with a, uh, a a little band called
1: Supergrass yes the guy from Supergrass looks like Mick Jagger but if you kind of smushed him yes. a little bit there's, like, if someone took, like, modeling clay and was just, like... And possibly crossed with the chimpanzee. Yeah, oh, who's... All, I have another one on my list right now. did Liv Tyler or something? No, you're thinking of the guy
2: from Space Hog. Space
0: Hog,
1: okay. Rick Ocasek, too.
2: Yeah, Like, sure. all these yeah.
1: guys, there's a similarity of them. But yeah. they are just in, indelible, just amazing front men. And I think that Joey Ramone, you know, what captures the, the band, the look, the, everything about it, is just this guy that's out there that's stands over everyone but he brings himself down and he's just so passionate into it um you know you think of people like um with holding their microphone and think of like elvis who would you know kind of dance with the microphone and it would almost be you know there was always you know with the ramones there's always this kind of 1950s ish
2: 60s sort uh, of thing yeah thing
1: that's going along that kind of blends into their music um that they well you know they're this punk band that, but nothing that shies away from them is they have this love of 50s and 60s music you know they grew up in it, so you can imagine that a uh, Joey Ramon would admire someone like Elvis with with like a a performance like that he, he does effectively a performance with his the with the microphone on stage that is just uh, it's just so iconic, and I think that is just right there yeah. with with all of it
0: there's uh a, a guilty pleasure I have it's the men in black films. <laughs> <laughs> and in Men in Black Two, Will Smith goes to retrieve uh, Tommy Lee Jones, who has had his mind wiped, and he's now working as the Postmaster General in Cape Cod or something like that. And working in the spoiler for those who haven't seen mm. Men in Black Two in twenty years, working in the rear sorting room of the postal service are aliens in disguise. Um, and there's an alien who looks exactly like Joey Ramone, and. The only thing that they do to change him is they remove his wig and reveal that he's bald he's a monster they milk they designed a monster that looks exactly like joey ramon and still looks like a scary alien mm. so there's the other ones have like heads that remove and all that kind of yeah. stuff like that they said just make him look like joey ramon yeah that's scary okay. that's scary enough all right richard you're fourth
2: fourth and and final and final also okay. also okay. final is that a hot take? That it's my final choice. <laughs> well, Maybe Ooh. my final choice ever.
0: You look out; the crosshairs might be coming. For somebody oh,
2: too many Christmas. Okay. My fourth choice is Phil Spector versus the Ramones. Oh wow! In the making of the uh, album "End of the Century," mm-hmm. um, an album where uh, previously to that they had been pre- it, their albums first four albums had been produced by Tommy Ramone, the original drummer, and Tom uh, Bongiovi. Who was like, not that, not that Bon Jovi, but a different.
0: If you're interested, (laughs) uh, a week from now, you'll find our lesser known siblings of famous people. This is not that, but that's a teaser for that. It is.
2: (laughs) And Phil Spector kind of came up to them before uh, Rocket to Russia, which was the previous album, and it had said basically, I'd love to, you know, I'd be happy to assist you guys with making an album. I think you're a really great band. You've got this great rock and roll spirit. Well, they turned him down for that, but then when Tommy Ramone left the band, they decided, well, why don't we bring in Phil Spector? He knows how to make hits. So maybe if we have somebody recording that is more of a pop-oriented guy and you combine that with kind of the Ramones-ish stuff that we do, maybe we can find a way to make our stuff more commercially successful. And it kind of worked. I mean, it was I think the album reached number 44, which is the highest charting... Ramones album but it didn't produce like a big hit it had really good a few really good songs on it do you remember rock and roll radio Mm -hmm. the original version of or the remade version of rock and roll high school was on that as well a few other pretty decent songs but mainly what it's remembered for is the time that Phil Spector held them hostage at gunpoint In his studio and wouldn't let them leave for about six hours. And
0: for that, this becomes the crosshairs pick of the week. Oh, literal (laughs) literal. crosshairs pick of the week. Richard, adjust your body to Uh your left so that you are now in the crosshairs and describe what Phil... or Sorry, what... uh, Yeah,
2: what Phil Spector was... What he was up to. Um, Yeah, he apparently got upset with him because there was some... some part that they wanted him to record that they couldn't get right. And they wanted just to leave for the day and say, okay, we'll, we'll start working on it tomorrow. He decided, no, nah, working on it tomorrow isn't going to work for me. That's not my schedule. So let me go get my gun and point it straight at Dee Dee uh, Ramon's chest and uh, make sure everyone sticks around for a little bit longer. So I'm not suggesting that this was a, uh, a look ahead to anything else in <laughs> Phil Spector's life. Yeah. I wouldn't want to legally suggest that. Um, But it was pretty clear even back then the guy was batshit crazy. Yeah, And it it just didn't work. Apparently he would, the Ramones would work fast, as you can imagine, whether they're on stage or making an album. And apparently Phil Spector would sit there for two, three hours getting the drum sound right. So Marky Ramone would hit the snare drum and he'd have to adjust it and adjust it and this would go on for hours. Yeah. They could make a whole album in two hours, probably in the the old way of work, their way of working. Yeah. And it just never worked. Hmm. And it's just one of those ideas where it's like sometimes these sometimes the producer artist matchup works where you go, that's just crazy enough that it might work, where the two these two sort of They'll bring out the best in each other. Yeah. This was not it. not it. This was a bad idea that you could see as a, as a bad idea from way down the track, mm-hmm. and here it came barreling down on the Ramones, and yeah. they just got stuck with.
0: It's like you're talking about uh, Todd Rundgren earlier. Todd Rundgren producing Grand Funk Railroad. You know, like yeah. That... Am
1: I out of the crosshairs, by the way? You're out of the
0: crosshairs. Okay, good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> don't know if he pulled the trigger on that one or not. <laughs> I don't know. You we were stuck in there for a long while, mm. and I could see, you know, he was he. Had, the itchy trigger finger? It was like, the, you know, the release was there, and he just had the soft. He could have done it any time. I was doing
0: the toss the gun back and forth. <laughs> but you're right, like like
1: Todd Rundgren doing the New York
2: Dolls. Yeah. That shouldn't work. Yeah. But somehow it did.
0: Yeah, he's the guy that they hired to put keys and, and harmonies in the background. But why would you bring that guy in for a, a punk band or something? It just doesn't, doesn't make sense, but... Okay, uh, uh, Michael Winfield, you've avoided both crosshairs and hot takes. So, Whew, unless fate. I have some other graphic in here, fate is with can me. You,
2: can you pull up face or Photoshop real quick? I can uh, whip up a.
1: Uh... Yeah, I,
0: would, I, I was going to do presidential uh, address. Let's see if they get da 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 da, da. Uh,
1: My fellow Americans, <laughs> uh, my uh, fourth choice is the phrase Gabba Hay. Hey, uh, you, go. Uh, you know, th- there is nothing more indelible, maybe Hey Ho, Let's Go, as someone holding a sign and shouting Gabba Gabba Hey. You know, it's this great you know, their song, um, Pinheads is where this kind of comes from. And the song Pinhead came from the nineteen thirties uh movie Freaks, mm-hmm. which is kind of like this uh, quasi horror movie about kind of like carnival um sideshow people, and um in that movie there's a part where uh, uh, a little person is going to marry uh, this other beautiful woman. He was um, like the
2: trapeze artist or something. Yeah,
1: Cleopatra, I believe.
0: Oh, little persons are are very beautiful often. So. Yes, yes, yeah. But in the movie, they're yeah. all the yeah. Dif- yeah.
1: you know, kind of displayed. You know, they have the people, with the woman that's missing arms. Yeah. They have the bearded the, lady, bearded lady, yeah. uh, the kind of the bird, you know, yeah.
2: the traditional the crab, crab boy. Stuff
1: like that. Yeah. And um, so at some point in the movie, uh, uh, one of the little people inherits a bunch of money and this other woman's going to marry him to get the money. And uh, she kind of comes to meet all the other kind of circus performers, the uh, the sideshow performers. And they start like chanting, you're one of us, gobble, gobble, hey, you're one of us, you're one of us. And uh, I don't know if it was Joey or Johnny Ramone that saw this movie and thought of just thought of, like, Gabba Gabba Hey. This, this, whatever this was kind of made it into their music. And this call and response thing with them was so big, especially with this song. And this one thing, he'd come out holding the sign that said Gabba gaba Hey. And, you know, in the 70s, I'm sure that a lot of people felt like, quote, unquote, freaks. Sure. They felt like outsiders in this punk and punk rock movement that didn't quite have a name yet. You know, you're making music, and you're part of a scene that wasn't quite a tagged anything until a little bit later, and a label was put on you the same way that grunge was put on. Uh, you know, Nirvana, what was happening and Pearl in Jam, Seattle, and yeah, punk. They weren't known as punk until like Punk magazine called them punk and decided right. it was called punk rock. And um, I, I think the you know a song starting out saying you're one of us, calling out to the people in the audience. Gabba, gabba, hey we're on stage you could be a Ramon all of this is feels very much tied together and I think that that just became just this big mantra of like hey we're part of the band the band knows who we are we could we can walk down the street and see them just as much as we could be on stage right
0: that also uh, this is not related to um, like the outsiders embracing the band embracing the identity of an outsider or a freak as they portray it, but they got into was that that ramones dock where they talk about them touring mexico or playing a stadium show in south america yeah brazil maybe or something yeah just the name the dark hair and the name uh they were called ramones Mm -hmm. and he's like oh cool it's a latin these guys are hispanic um yeah so there was a sense of embrace that they received from from people who may have Seemed on the perimeter of American rock and roll. In what Russia, it's Romanovich. Ramonovitch.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I heard that's uh, true of uh, the chic song, um, uh, Les Freaks."
2: Yeah. In France, was it like... Was, was it in France that uh, it was beloved?
0: Yeah, Le, Les Freaks" c'est chic, because it was, it was French. But then in Africa, they thought it was Les Freques c'est chic. So it was very chic to be African. Mm. So ah. that... Uh, I thought that was...
2: It is amazing that, that and to get back to what you're talking about, Michael, the uh, idea that the Ramones wound up becoming this beloved band. Yeah. Like, by the time that they retired, like, everyone loved the Ramones. They were just part of the culture, and they were just, you know, adorable.
1: Mm-hmm. I would be, I would remiss not to talk about, um, what is it, Johnny Ramone, it's buried at Hollywood Cemetery, Hollywood Forever, yeah. Hollywood forever and just... Is kind of iconic, he has just this iconic um, gravestone etched to him that is very beloved. You could walk by it. And... Right,
2: whenever you go to Synespia, you yeah. can go see it. <laughs> um, but I just love that idea that this band kind of went from being like these scary outsiders talking about beating on the brat, brat with a baseball bat and how kind of like that was dangerous and, and you know certainly something you didn't want your kids to get into. Um, I was on, I think, the Night Flight website to get back to them. Mention them again. Had a uh, ad the other day they posted for an after school special from 1980 that was, I think, called My Son is a Punk Rocker mm. and it had Bernie Copel starring in it. <laughs> and it was uh, like, One day, what happens when your son goes from a nice, quiet kid to a punk rocker and the kid's eating dinner and he's got his mohawk and his yeah. like shirt with sleeves ripped off? Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, in 1980, that's what we thought of. That's what—not we, but that's what, you know, the adults, the grown-ups, the squares in the room thought of punk rock. So somehow the Ramones were able to go from that to almost like cartoon characters.
1: Yeah, literally with the Simpsons. Yes. And then also also with just like, oh, I can go get a baby onesie, and I can get an infant onesie that just has the big Ramones yeah. thing on it. And I'm sure you can get it for anybody, but like, uh-huh. it it doesn't feel out of place. It's just a, an American band that, like you said, is beloved.
0: Right. And I think they were bundled with punk or they were progenitors of punk but then kind of bundled bundled along with it but there was an aesthetic that punk that was in the Venn diagram of punk black leather jacket uh, but the Ramones didn't do the um, you know the safety pins through the nose or the Mohawk or anything like that they yeah. just had, uh, this, this this haircuts and things like that. So Long page boy haircuts. Yeah. yeah. So I think it took about ten years or twenty years for people to realize no, they really kind of have a really kind of a throwback aesthetic. Oh, for to sure. Them. Yeah. For sure. The very, uh, the generation that was um was down on them was really the one they were kind of honoring the music that, that mm. came that that generation grew up with. So, okay, hey, it's time to um give some pics here. But before I do, I'm gonna ring up our little graphic here and invite you. To go, well, we've got to, move it, to go to your podcast aggregator and download, rate, and review past episodes that you might find on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Um, I don't like this graphic commentary either, so I'm going to try to remember <laughs> some of these uh, things. But because he survived the crosshairs, Ooh. Um, Ooh. Richard Manfredi and Phil Spector uh, are going to be a pick there. Um, so, And because the movie was so good, bad, and bad, good, let's go with Rock and Roll High School. And because it's the most memorable thing, I think, about the Ramones, and he's the most lovable unifying element of the Ramones. Joey Ramone standing at that microphone. And then I think what Michael wrapped it all up with, this longevity and um, the evolution of the Ramones from being this parental scare, seduction of the innocent, um, blight, you know it's the kind of thing that a news story would show you know punk rock is it bad for our teenagers into something that your 12-year-old niece is going to buy at hot topic so let's go with that so um thank you for enduring this live stream where things fell apart uh, thank you uh, Warner Chapel or Facebook or, or <laughs> right whatever. For, for, for jumping on our yeah, ass when well, I'll get the bill you'll send that to me via messenger for $40,000 for partial use of that song so great um and uh, this has been The Mount Rushmore of Ramones. I always am Jeff.
2: I'm Richard. I'm Michael.